good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, depending on the time you're tuning into my podcast. I am your host, Kaya Mine Williams, and this is Failing in Love. Hopefully, everybody had a happy turkey day. You know, you got to be around your friends and loved ones and some loved ones that aren't too friendly and friends you love more than your loved ones. Um, yeah, I hope you guys had, a again, a great turkey day. Uh, mine was pretty cool. The broccoli casserole, they went over. It was a hit. Uh, not too bad about the gator meat. It's funny, though, because uh, after I, I left, you know, my Tennessee family, uh, my mom called me. And she's like, so how did the gator meat go over? You know, did, did they like it? And I was like, oh, no, nah, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have a, I wasn't able to get the gator meat. I didn't have an opportunity to show those sort of culinary skills. And she's like, dang, they probably missed out. I was like, no, I made the broccoli casserole. So we talked about that for a little bit. You know, my mama, that's, that's my girl. She, you know, she's doing all right. So uh, we we talked a little bit. Just about, you know, holidays and, you know, the holidays of the past and the importance of family and all that stuff. So my mom was happy for me. Like I told you guys, you know, I was going to bring her down here, but she was like, nah, she really don't want to make the trip. And uh, she's happy that there is a family, like I'm a stray dog or some shit, but she's happy that there's a family down here that actually, they care for me. They, they love me. Because that's really important, man. I think a lot of us, you know, and this is going to sound corny. I feel like a lot of us are lacking love in our lives, you know. And I think that makes a difference between someone going full-blown psycho and someone just being angry. You know, if you feel like nobody cares about you and, you know, love around you is fake, you might be like, fuck it, this is a horrible decision. I don't care anyway. I'm going to do it. But if you have loved ones and people who you feel that love you, like you kind of take that second. Like, well, if I do this, you know, I, I won't get to see these people anymore, or I won't get to hug this person, or be around these people, or listen to this person's stories. I mean, let me chill out. Let me try to de-escalate myself. And uh, that, to me, is like the importance of family. Um, that's why sometimes around the holidays, I get a little bit sad. Because, you know, I I had, well, I still have a family. But, like, being a father, being a husband, to me, that's one of the best feelings in the world. Versus being single in my cottage. And then the rooster casually comes and goes as he pleases. Um, you know, my daughter's grown. Middle child again in Kentucky with his mom. And it's just like, but when we were a family, we were all right there together for the holidays and then we will go to our family members houses and homes and things like that and it it was just an amazing time so I guess it kind of I don't want to say it hit me hard yesterday but when I was visiting uh, my Tennessee folks I was the only person who was there alone like everybody else had somebody and it's funny because the men of the house, like, <laughs> I was sitting out, like, in this enclosed veranda, drinking my Hennessy, you know what I mean? Just feeling that nice breeze come through, you know, the kids are playing and the adults are playing games and stuff, too, and people's eating the food and talking about diversified portfolios and, you know, shit that's way over my head. So uh, I go out and I get the breeze, and I'm quite sure it was Miss Ernestine who probably started the uh, the conversation for people to talk to me or whatever. Uh, 
you know, so one by one, like I was visited by like the Christmas spirits or whatever. It was a young guy who talked to me, then a guy who was uh, my age, and then uh, Big D came out. <laughs> and we was all just talking to see like, I don't want to put a timer on it, but it seemed like everybody talked to me for like 11 minutes and 11 seconds. Like, man, y'all better quit with these numbers because I don't understand them at all. It's very confusing. So um, <laughs> that was that. But as I was sitting on the uh, the enclosed veranda, I was thinking about, I'm not alone and I'm not lonely, but I do want companionship. You know, uh, I want to say, well, there was a few summers ago. What was it like? It wasn't last summer. So the summer before last, I had a a lady friend. It was, I don't want to say it was a no strings attached, friends with benefits sort of thing, because there were definitely feelings that were starting to develop there. And uh, my homegirl, AR23, shout out to AR. She's probably at work right now when I was taking ass. And uh, the reason why she's AR23 is because she is the Michael Jordan of phlebotomy. She can stick you in every angle, I'm quite sure. You know, that she got all these awards and shit in her house that she keeps stashed away so nobody can see. But uh, hey, AR, I hope you're listening to the show, sweetie. Uh, you're probably at work right now, just grinding. That's, that's what you do. I'm so proud of you. But uh, any rate, AR23 was not a fan of this woman. And we are going to call this woman at the time, we're going to call her Ireland. So, uh, you know when Ireland would kick it with me uh, because I told you guys like most of the time if I'm not acting or auditioning I have jobs in like customer service and shit like that and one thing about that with customer service even before the pandemic oh baby I'm gonna work from home that's what I do I don't like really going into offices and stuff like that so uh, you know she would come we'd have lunch together on my break on her break I schedule my breaks around hers. Uh, you know, sometimes I cook something from the night before. Sometimes she'll bring stuff over. After work, we would uh, hang out, watch the sunset. You know, she'll, ha- she'll have that cognac ready for me. And she'll have her wine ready for her. we take walks. It was really nice. But, like, that's why I think it's always important to have special people in your life. You know, and having a female best friend... That intimidates a lot of women. And at one point, she was like, you got to quit telling these hoes that you got a female best friend because that's going to put them on alert. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm telling uh, AR about this shit. And she's like, nah, man, some something's not right. And I was like, well, you know, she's this and this and this. She's like, stop thinking with your dick for a second. Does it add up? And I would tell her scenarios to me that added up to her didn't. And then there was stuff to me that did add up. And to AR-23, it didn't. And the biggest thing behind that was I've always been, depending on the situation, like pretty liberal most of the time. But one thing I do not fuck around about (laughs) is my dick health. And, uh, which is my overall health, my sexual health, rather. And, like, uh, if there's two penises in the pussy, <laughs> ugh, that sounds bad. I hope my mama don't hear this episode. 
when there's two penises in the vagina, that's one penis too many. And I'm not talking about the same time, like she got a Stretch Armstrong vagina. I'm talking about if you mess with me on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday, but you got this other cat mess with you Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that, that that's too many dicks. There. That's, that's too much that can happen. So when she hit me with the, she got a friend in another state and he's coming to see her. I'm like, oh shit, it's over. And you know, she was plead, pleading her case to me like, nah, it's this and this and I need to know. So AR was like, you know she's gonna fuck him, right? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I know she's gonna fuck him, I'm not stupid. She was like, so what are you gonna do? Are you still, cause she knows my policy. She's like, are you still gonna fuck with her after she fuck with dude? I'm like, well, it depends on the type of career that he has. Ladies and gentlemen, I have tooted my actor horn many a nights on this microphone. But I'm going to say something. If you disagree, again, email me at kayamontwilliams at gmail.com or leave a comment on the page. The only people who fuck more than actors and nymphomaniacs, musicians. Hands down. Like... Anybody, the, the drummer, the bassist, the violinist, the motherfucker with the triangle, the, the cat over in the corner shaking the cowbell because it's cowbell fever out there. Everybody is getting action any night that they choose because they all, all the groupies want to get close to the star. So the star gets the pick of the litter and then the groupies uh, have their shot at the underlings. And then, you know, after they get their rocks off, like, oh, tell me about Brian McKnight. Like, I heard they call him B. So, any rate, uh, come to find out he's a musician. And I'm like, oh, nah. AR's like, hell nah. So then Ireland is like, uh, well, I had sex with him, but I wish it was you, and I'm so sorry. And so I told my homegirl, she was like, well, shit. I mean, what do you think? And it was one of those moments where it's like, I'm, I'm going to see where he's really at in his thinking just to kind of let this go because I, I swear if he says this, I'm done fooling with this idiot. I was like, I'm not going to smash her anymore after she been with that guy because I know how I am about, you know, my, my sexual health, but I can't say that for anybody else. And what led me to this, uh, back in the day in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky, I lived in these apartments uh, called the Oxford. And I think I touched on this in the show about how uh, the apartment used to burn down over there all the time. But uh, there was this guy. Uh, he was from New York. He was a little bit older than us or whatever. And he said his nickname up in New York was DDH, Dirty Dickhead. I would never forget that. Uh, I was 16. DDH was 24. But to us, like 16 to 24, like, damn, you a grown-ass man. Why you hanging out with us? But anyway, he would hang out with us to try to get with our sisters or our aunties or whoever was was ready to go. And I remember one time, and God bless Shirley Faye. She always tried her best to raise me. But as a boy, I was a slippery eel. I was slicker than a can of oil. I had snuck out to go to a karaoke bar. And uh, I know you're like, you snuck out to go to a karaoke bar. The reason why 
was I was with DDH and he could talk these folk because again he's from New York New York City he's from New York and he would just have I've always had a gift to gab but he had the blessing to talk to anybody to kind of have them like oh okay I agree with you I'll let him in so anyway I'm 16 at this karaoke bar with everybody uh clearly in their late 20s early 40s i look like i'm looking for my daddy in that piece or something and uh ddh he finds these two women and when i say i was a teetotaler back then at 16 as i should have been i really mean that like one beer would have had me flying i remember uh this is one of my first drinks ever it was a uh a Hennessy and Coke, of course. That's that's what most young men start out with. And I didn't know you wasn't supposed to mix your liquors. So the next thing I had was Bacardi 151. Yeah, right. Went to the bathroom, threw up, came out. And then DDH is laughing at me. And uh, he called me Earl Peabody. <laughs> because like uh, Earl is another term for throwing up. And I always wore glasses. Yes, I was always uh, ocularly, ocularly disadvantaged, just blind as shit. I wear contacts now, but these motherfuckers probably weigh a pound each. Um, and like the dog, uh, Mr. Peabody from Mr. Peabody and Sherman. So he called me Earl Peabody because I would throw up anytime I smelled liquor or I drunk liquor or... Uh, it, it, it was bad, but again, I was 16 years old. So, any rate, uh, he orders me a Coke. I'm still blasted, like I'm still drunk out of my mind, right? So he convinces two grown women, of course he's grown, but I'm 16. So he, conv- he convinces two grown women to leave the club with us. He's in the front seat, getting head from the one chick. The other chick, is basically trying to pull it out of my pants and have me whip it out or whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm cool, I'm cool. He was like, hey, chill. My homeboy said he don't want to do anything, so he don't want to do anything. He was like, but what I could do, I could pull over and I could fuck you in this alley and your homegirl could join in. Tell me why they both said yeah. So anyway, he bangs them in the alley. They go back to the club or whatever and we peel off. I was like, so, uh, DDH, did you, uh, did you switch condoms with each girl that you smashed, or did you keep on the same one? This N-word said condoms? N-word, I raw-dogged both of them bitches. And that, to me, it echoed in my head. Raw-dogged both of them bitches, both those bitches, both those bitches. And I was like, whoa, this dude edge so like uh you know i got three kids by three women but if i'm just out here like smashing i don't know like i'm gonna strap it up so long story short about ireland uh she was messing with dude and i quit messing with her and she was sad and you know she would come over to my place and be like oh you you left your socks over my house or oh you left, you know, these underwear over my house. Oh, just like little shit that you could really throw away that really wouldn't matter. But she would just try to come over and talk to me. And she was like, it was a mistake. I'm like, no. 
kids make mistakes, adults make choices. You chose to bang that dude. You chose to do it. And uh, she was just all like, well, don't be like this, don't be like that. And uh, so I, I gave in. And I had sex with her, protected, of course, because I'm, I'm not going to do that. And she did everything sexually that I liked. And it was cool, but it was just like the feeling of betrayal. I was like, nah, I, I can't rock with her anymore. So then, you know, uh, four months went past and I got tested, you know, because after I'm done fooling with somebody, like, I'm not going to be out there like that. Or if I am out there before three months, I'm wrapping it up. I'm strapping it up. I'm not playing those games. I'm not Rambo. I got to, you know, make sure that this is not the last blood. Like, I have to be in a position to where I can walk my daughter down the aisle when she gets married. I get to watch my sons graduate from college and high school, or high school and college. You know, I I got a lot of life left and I'm not trying to bust that to, you know, shorten that shit and be on pills and tablets for the rest of my life. So uh, anyway, I went, you know, got tested. Everything was fine. And uh, I'll never forget because Rooster and I, we were watching, uh, what were we watching? We were watching Moana. Rooster and I were watching Moana and then Ireland called me and she's like, hey, what you doing? I'm like, long time no speak. What's up? She's like, ah, oh, nothing. I just want to let you know that I have multiple STDs. It's like, wow, for real? That must suck. And she's like, why are you saying it like that for? Uh, aren't you scared? No, ma'am, I'm not. You need to go ahead and talk to that musician you was messing with because uh, y'all need to have a serious conversation. And I took pictures of my paperwork because whenever I go like uh, and get that sort of paperwork they like i get tested i make sure i keep that paperwork on me and then so the very next partner i have like if we're gonna be in some some intimate shit and shit gets like really hot and crazy i know i got it from you i know that if i chose to have unprotected sex which is fucking crazy nowadays but i know that i got it from you nobody else but you so how are we gonna handle this 